Amen. You may be seated. We're thankful that you're here. It was uh, sad to miss you last week as we had some rain in the forecast, and that rain made way for some storms. And I'm glad everyone's here. I know that there were power outages, and we experienced one this week, and down trees and everything. We had a few down trees even on our property. Thankful for our team uh, here uh, helping to get our grounds ready for us to be able to be here. And welcome to those of you online. Glad you could join us as well. We are in a series called Rhythms of Revival. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited about what this month has in store for us. I believe God has circled this appointment on our calendar. I want you to know that this uh, season of seeking God in prayer and fasting was not something we thought of in the middle of this pandemic. It wasn't something we thought of a few weeks ago. In fact, as we went back in our planning, and Pastor Roy's here and some others that can attest to it, when we were in the fall of 2019 planning, praying, God, what do you have in store for 2020? What should we be pursuing? We circled two dates on our calendar, January and then August. And we said, we believe this year we need two seasons of prayer and fasting. Why? We didn't know why. God knew why. He prompted our hearts because of what we'd be in the middle of during this season. But uh, we just believe this is a divine appointment, church, that if we draw near, God has something for us in this moment to transform us, to make us more like him. And I'm really looking forward to it. If you haven't joined us yet for the journey and, uh, you know, really signed up to be a part of it, can you take out your phone even right now and just shoot a quick text message to this phone number? It's going to be on the screen, 908 325 5163. I'll give them a second if they could put that up there. Text the word revival, just like it's spelled there on the screen. And if you send us a text message, we're going to be able to send you resources. Starting, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to kick off the fast, but we just sent out this morning. Many of you probably received it. It's a packet. It's a PDF of seven days of devotionals. And each day, as Pastor Roy said, there's some great resources. Our team did a great job putting this together. And each week, at the beginning, you're going to get one of these on Sunday to carry you through the next week. And this is a way for you to go deeper in your relationship with God every day. We're also going to, on Facebook each morning at 7.30 in the morning, where are my early risers at? Anyone up at 7.30 in the morning? Some of you are like, man, I'm already on my third cup of coffee at 7.30 in the morning. Um, but at 7.30 in the morning, we're going to get up. We're going to pray together. I'm going to be on there live with some of our pastors and leaders. We're going to just go after the Lord. We're going to pray together, seek God each morning, and encourage each other on the journey that we're on. So you could join us there uh, on Facebook Live each morning at 7.30 throughout the fast. And uh, we just believe God is going to meet us. Amen? Who's ready for this season? A couple of you over here. That sounds good. Well, as we uh, think about it, you know, there are moments in time that could change everything. There are these moments that can transform a nation. And I believe that we must take seriously the moments that God gives us. And I believe we are in a moment in time right now. There was another moment back in the early 1700s, you know, before we were even a nation, before um, all of our founding fathers began to do all the incredible things that we remember in our history books to ultimately bring about revolution, you know, as a nation, we were just a series of colonies. And there was a lot going on during that time. You know, these 13 colonies were forming. But in Europe, there was something that was sweeping through all of Europe and even starting to make its way into the, the colonies in the United States and North America. And it was called Enlightenment. And it was the season of enlightenment. This period was called the Age of Reason. 
And it was the idea that science and logical thinking and expression could pave the way to the future. And so many people began to lean so heavily. And yes, everything we need, we can find through natural means. We can look to science, to facts, to these kind of things. And, and there was such an a explosion of thought in that time that got people so fixated in that direction that many drew away from faith. They would still go to church, but man, their hope rested more on themselves, more on their way of thinking, more on their solutions, more on their way of paving the future. And as that began to shift, there was still people filling into churches, but there was like a form of godliness that had no power. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Bible talks about it. There are people that were going through the motions, but their hearts weren't engaged the way they once were. And so as religion started to just seep in and people began to grow colder and colder in their faith, something happened. There was a complacency that fell over the people, over the world at that time. And in these 13 colonies, God started to stir something up in the early 1700s. He started to breathe upon some leaders in the faith. Some preachers that started to get a fire in their bones to just preach God's word and to just begin to call out for a people to turn their hearts back to God and to pursue him with everything that they had. And so they began to travel across the colonies. One of them traveled 5,000 miles, George Whitfield, preaching hundreds of times all around the, the known area of that time. And as they did, it was like fire started to fall from heaven. The Bible um, became alive to people once again. What was far and distant, what had become cold, was now white hot, and people's hearts began to become pierced. People began to turn to God by the thousands and tens of thousands. There was a man named Jonathan Edwards who began to preach powerful messages, and revival fell on our land. It was called the Great Awakening. Have you ever heard of it? This great awakening, I want you to know, it didn't just change the world at that time. It changed the fabric of that whole area. In fact, historians will tell you that they believe the Great Awakening is what paved the way for the revolution that created the United States of America, that paved the way for everything that we now have as a nation started with an awakening that happened decades earlier. I want you to know powerful moves of God can change a nation. Powerful moves of God can change a people forever. It can change generations. It can transform the world as we know it. And as we think about these revivals, the Great Awakening, and so many of the revivals of old, there's these key elements that are at the core of them. And that's what this series is all about, Rhythms of Revival, where we're going to study some different attributes we see among revival that breaks out in God's people. But this one topic we're talking about today, I believe, becomes, um, it's the linchpin for it all. You know, I said many things can get you to the door of revival. It can prepare revival. But I believe this is what opens the door. This is what opens the windows of heaven. This is what allows uh, for, for there to be such a powerful move of God. And often, if it is not present, it could stand in the way of the fullness of what God wants to do every single time. There's one word I want to share with you today. It's the word repentance. Would you say repentance? My daughter was listening to the service earlier today and said, Mommy, what is Repentance. So if you don't know all about what repentance is, I want to talk about that today. I want us to dive deeper into it. But I want the Lord to shape this in us through his word that we won't miss what he wants to do in this season. So would you just pray with me, Lord? We come before you. We humble our hearts. We humble ourselves that we want to know you. We want to experience you. And Lord, I pray that you would 
speak to our hearts in such a way that our hearts would truly turn, that every part of us would turn towards you, Lord God, to experience the fullness of what you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Man, would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4? In Matthew chapter 4, we see that Jesus is beginning his ministry. And in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7 is where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, a few years ago when I was in Israel and a few of you were there with me, we got to go on the very mount where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount and see that vast field there. In fact, they built a church right on that property. And as we were there, it's just so amazing to think that Jesus taught the multitudes, thousands of people gathered to hear all about the kingdom of God, about God's heart, about what Jesus would have them to know in this moment. It was, I believe, the most famous uh, message that Jesus ever shared. But if you would take everything he shared in his teaching and you would summarize it down to one statement, that's what the Gospel of Matthew does, and it, it creates one sentence that encompasses everything Jesus was talking about. And it's found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That was Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this word repent has gotten some baggage associated with it. Because when people hear that word, they think of someone holding up cardboard and yelling into a megaphone on a subway. Or someone that's yelling and judging people and saying things. And I want you to know this word repent is so powerful, it's so essential, and it opens the door to revival in your life. It's not a bad word. It's a word that invites us into something deeper that God has for us. Everything Jesus was about, everything that the kingdom was about hinged on this word, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance opens the door to revival. What is repentance? Repentance literally means it's a change of mind and a change of behavior. It means that there's been a transforming of the way we think and see and the way that we operate and live our lives. Repentance is about turning it is turning from something to something, turning from our sin, from the wrong things that we've done, from the things that are, are not right with God's heart, not God's heart for us, and turning towards God, his goodness, his restoration, his power, his ways. Repentance is not just feeling bad for the things I've done. It's not just saying I'm sorry. It's not just saying oh, I won't do that again. It's, it's truly about a change of heart, a change of the way we see, a change of our positioning. It's not about the number of tears you shed or the amount of emotion you feel. Those things come as a part of it, but it's truly about a turning away and a walking in a new way. Are you with me still, church? Some of you are like, man, I should have been online today. So as we, as, as we think about this word repentance, it's powerful because it paves the way. And here's what Jesus said. He said, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come near. I want you to know that Jesus was coming, and everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom of God was expanding. What did the kingdom look like? The blind would see. The lame would walk. The dead would be raised to life. Demons would fall and bow at the name of Jesus. They had no place in his authority. It was the sovereign rule and reign of God. And when they saw the kingdom, they saw revival. It was transformative. It was, it was so different than anything the world had ever seen. Truly, everywhere Jesus went, revival followed. 
crowds came. They were amazed at what they saw. But here's what Jesus said at the beginning of it all. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does that mean? Turn and get ready, because if you don't turn towards me, you're going to miss everything the kingdom is about. Here's the problem. There were a group of religious people at that time. That message hit their hearts. This was not just for those that were on the fringes of society. The message of repent was even for the the people in that day that looked like they had it all together. They went to the temple. They prayed so many times a day. They were so pious. They gave so much. They did all the right things. And when Jesus said and came and called them to repentance, he was even calling those that thought they had no reason to repent. No reason to turn. I know what I'm doing. I have it all figured out. I'm right with God. I'm doing it the way I know what this thing's all about. I'm a very religious person. I've gotten that thing down. Jesus was calling them to repent. And they wouldn't even see it. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. And so what happens in the Gospels? You see these religious leaders. You see many that did not turn, that did not turn their hearts towards the Lord. They missed out on everything the kingdom of God was about. They missed out on everything that the Lord was going to do. Why am I telling you this today? Because I believe that repentance is key if we want to experience personal revival in our lives. If we come to the place where we become so um, confident and even arrogant and prideful in our own way of thinking to think, I have nothing to repent of. I have nothing to get right with. I'm good. I already said that prayer. We could miss the revival God wants to bring into our hearts and lives in this season because we think we have it all together. Are you with me? God sees who we are and not who we're pretending to be on Sunday, church. He sees us. He sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows the beginning from the end. And I believe that if we want personal revival, it can't happen without repentance. It can't happen without a long look into our hearts to say, Lord, I want to experience the fullness of what you have for me. And I want nothing to get in the way of me experiencing you. This message was so deeply embedded in the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus, that as the early church began to take off on the day of Pentecost, the people gathered, 3,000 were added to their number. Peter's full of the Holy Spirit preaching the word of God, and as they heard the word, people, Jews, everyone all around heard the message, and they said, what must we do? They were pricked to their heart, it says in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, look what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The next chapter in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, Peter and John heal someone who sits by the gate beautiful. And as he's healed, everyone is is, is a buzz. They can't believe this healing has taken place. And Peter gets up again and begins to preach and says, listen, this man was healed not by my power but by the power of the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified. And they said, what must we do? And again, what does he say? Repent, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many of you want a time of refreshing? How does that sound? I know from, from my family, when we got to the beginning of July, I'm like, I need a uh, vacation. I need a time of refreshing. The Lord promises times of refreshing to those who repent. Are you with me? Pastor, can you preach about something else today? 
listen, this is, this is, this is it. This is what it's about. Here's the problem with the, with the church in America today. Here's what, is, here's what the problem is with comfortable Christianity. We want all of the refreshing with none of the repentance. We want all of the blessing with none of the obedience. Do we think it works that way? We fool ourselves. But if you really want to go deeper with God, if we really want the fullness of what he has for us, we cannot look in the mirror, walk casually through this life, not looking to these deeper things to say, God, I want everything you have for me, and expect for God to pour out revival in our land and in our lives and in our, in, in, in our world. We want the refreshing, but we're not willing to go through the repentance, the turning of our hearts and lives. Pastor, I mean, I said that prayer. I, I repented of my sins. I, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and my life. Wasn't that enough? Yes, to get, to get into heaven, to be right with God, absolutely. It says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, anyone who turns from their sin towards Jesus, and I did that, you've done that, and today, if you stand in the presence of God, then, then you are justified by faith, your faith in Jesus, that even now, if you were to part, you'd be in his presence. But here's one of the challenges we miss in Christianity, that the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we turn from our sin and turn towards him, is not the last day that we sin doesn't mean we're now perfect. Is anyone perfect since, since that moment you accepted Jesus? Guess what? If you just accepted Jesus five minutes ago, there's probably still something we need that, that, that's backwards in us that we might need to come to the Lord about. And so the moment you accept Jesus is not the moment you be, you're made perfect and you'll never make another mistake in your life. So what do we do with that? Well, we don't just keep on sinning and doing whatever we want and saying, oh, God's got it all figured out. He's good. He's already forgiven me. The goal is that we're supposed to become more like Jesus every day. You know, tomorrow I'm supposed to be more like Jesus than I was yesterday. That there's a process called sanctification. It's the ongoing process, lifelong, to become more and more like Jesus every day and less and less like who you used to be. And sometimes we can get so comfortable that we stop pressing on towards Christ. And we feel like we've reached good enough. I don't want to get to good enough. I want everything God has for me. I want to experience the fullness of what he'd have for me. And so this process of repentance, this process of examining our hearts, this process of drawing near and allowing God to show us his way, his plan, his path is essential in the life of every believer. It opens the door to revival in your life when we get this. It opens the door to revival all throughout scripture if you read through that lens. There is repentance that happens among the people of God that births the revival that God would pour out. God says it over and over and over again. He's looking for people who turn their hearts fully towards him, who lean into him completely. What does that look like to really repent? What does it look like to pray a prayer of, of repentance, of searching, of examining our heart? I want to show it to you. If you'll take a moment right now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're watching online, would you do the same? Psalm chapter 139 is one of the great psalms that has this prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. This is what it would look like. For you today, I want to invite you to ask the Lord to, sh to examine your heart. I can't examine your heart. I can't see what the Lord sees. And some of us, we can't even see what the Lord sees. We think we're okay until we pray prayers like the one we're about to pray. And what this prayer is going to invite the Lord to do is search us, to search our hearts, to show us if there's anything in us that's wayward, anything in us that's not right, anything that's in us that's offensive to him. And if it's there, then he, that he would help us to walk in the better way. Are you ready to pray that prayer? 
Come on, if that's you, then let's just pray this prayer, and would you repeat these words? I'm going to say it slowly because I want you to own these words, that if this is what your prayer is before the Lord. Pray it with me. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me, God. Know my thoughts. If there's any offensive way in me, lead me in your way. Everlasting. Lord, I invite you to search us. In Jesus' name, amen. That prayer is a powerful prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me, Lord. Even in this season, test my heart. And if there's anything in me that's offensive, Lord, lead me in your way. Those things that are offensive within us, offensive to the heart of God, even offensive to us, offensive to those around us, they're leading us somewhere. Away from God's plan, away from God's way. But when we pray these prayers, what we're saying is, Lord, if there's any offensive way in me, then lead me in your way. Lead me away from it. You know what that act is? Repentance. Turning away from that which is offensive towards God's plan and purpose. Are you with me here, church? Man, you're awfully quiet. We had a cricket in first service. It was really very appropriate for this message, I think. He was, uh, he was off here chirping at us. Um, but this is, this is so vitally important. And as we get to the depths of it, you know, we want revival, but God continues to show his people over and over again that seasons of revival are birthed in seasons of repentance, of times where God's people get on their face, examine their hearts, and pour themselves out. You know, we think of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I've prayed that prayer over our nation. I've prayed it for our leaders. I've prayed it for our state. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek their face, my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. And as I then go on social media and I see the wickedness in this world, and I see the way people that are far from God are acting or talking or leaders that, that are doing things that I don't agree with, I get so frustrated and I pray this prayer, Lord, help them to seek your face and help them, Lord God, to pray and humble themselves and do all. And I'm praying that they will do it. And then God convicts me when I really read his word. This prayer isn't for people that don't know God. It's for the people of God. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Oh, we get so busy pointing out the wicked ways in people that don't know God that we stop looking to ourselves and saying, God, show me what I need to turn from. I want you to know that revival comes not when the people that don't know God repent. That's powerful. It comes when the people of God begin to repent. When the people of God begin to turn their hearts towards him. When the people of God begin to realize this. And so often we get so, well, I got it right, man. If everyone else would just get with the program, then God will bring revival. That's not what his word says. When his people get with the program, when his people realize I'm not like a Pharisee where I think that I have it all together and I'm like a whitewashed tomb. But Lord, search me if there's something offensive in me, if there's wickedness in my heart. Help me. Here's, here's what the enemy loves to do, and he's doing it all over. I could see it. He takes all that offensive wickedness and the things that you see that you don't agree with, that you're getting so frustrated with, and that because it's been sustained for so long, bitterness has filled your heart, hatred has filled some of our hearts. We're actually sinning. The thoughts and the ways we're acting are actually offensive towards God, but we justify it because we're trying to combat sin in the world. Someone doesn't want to hear that, but it's the truth. 
And we don't even realize it, that, that what we're seeing out there is causing us to despair so much that we're actually becoming toxic on the inside. And what the Lord needs us to do is repent, turn from that. Say, Lord, I can't have any more of that. I get on my face before you. And Lord, I need you to help my heart because of the anger, the frustration, the, the bitterness, whatever that might be. Sometimes these moments of all this pressure can bring out what's deep beneath the surface. My wife and I, uh, over the, the summer, as we were realizing we weren't sure about pools reopening and all those kind of things, we, we ventured out and we bought a pool for our kids. Like a 10-foot one that's like 30 inches deep from ShopRite. It was a great deal at the time. Um, and we set it up, and I've never owned a pool before, but we put the chlorine in and the different things. And, and um, you know, the thing that's very frustrating is you leave it for a couple days, and there's like leaves and different things that fall into the bottom of the pool. Does anyone that own a pool know what I'm talking about? And it gets kind of it ugly in there. And so you have to kind of go out there, and you have to keep on top of it. And if you don't keep on top for long enough, then algae starts to. And so we've had to empty that pool a couple times and try to deal with that algae that's growing. Because once that takes root, it spoils everything. And here's what I've realized. That I can't just go in there with that net and just get it. Because sometimes when it settles down to the very bottom, it, the only way I can address it is if I can agitate it. If I can stir it up so that it can come to the surface and then I can take it off. I want you to know seasons of agitation, times of agitation, I know we don't like them, but they have a way of revealing what's deep buried in us. And sometimes there's, there's things in this season that you're seeing coming out of yourself, out of people around you, and you're saying, what is that? Where, where did that come from? It was deep down there. And as it's stirred up, here's the two things we can do with it. We can try to justify it, or we can repent of it. You guys, it's very quiet here. It's about as quiet as it is with the online crowd. We can justify it and say, it's okay. I can do this. because that, that, Or we can deal with it before God. Because it comes to the surface so that we can be made pure, so that we can look more like him. And so whenever the pressure of this life, the pressure of this pandemic, the pressure of what's going to happen in September with schools, when that pushes things out of us, that, man, that's not my character. That's not what God would want of me. I shouldn't talk that way. I shouldn't do those things. The goal when it comes to the surface then, when we recognize it, Lord, if this is offensive, I turn from it and I turn towards you. I cut it off, Lord God. I denounce it. I turn away from it and I turn towards you. And when we begin to do that, when that becomes the rhythm of our life, when we have rhythms of repentance, you better be ready for revival to begin to fill your heart, your home, your life, your family, because God will begin to pour out his presence. This is how it works. This is how he moves. This is how he's proven himself over and over and over again. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. When we think about that, you know, there's, there's something called the refiner's fire, and it's found in, uh, in the scriptures, in, especially in the book of uh, Peter, First and Second Peter, where it talks about how the tests and the trials that we go through are to purify us, to make us more like Jesus. And that whenever you actually will heat gold or silver, a precious metal, when it gets so hot that it melts and it keeps getting hot, it pushes all the impurities to the surface. And then the smelter comes and he's able to just pull those impurities off the top so that he can see his reflection clear in that metal. That's the process of what Jesus does in our lives. Whenever those things come to the surface and we repent, we turn from them, it cleanses our hearts, our lives, to be more like Jesus. Some of us today, maybe you feel a bit uncomfortable by this, like, wow, this, is, this feels heavy. 
This is essential for our walk with the Lord. It's essential for our growth in the Lord. This is essential to be a foundational practice in our lives. Let's start in this season of revival. Amen? And I want you to know, it's not, the idea of repentance is not just about God standing in heaven, that he's angry, that he's pointing a finger at you, he's ready to strike you with a lightning bolt, that he's so disappointed in you. That's the enemy wanting so much to discourage you and keep you stuck where you are. But when I think about power, the power of repentance, I'm reminded of God's word in Romans, where Paul needs to speak to them and say, listen, have you forgotten how good God has been? Have you forgotten how kind God is? Have you forgotten how patient God is? Look what he says in Romans 2, 4. He says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance and patience? Are you not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness, his love leads us to repentance. It leads us to want to turn and live a different way. We're not just compelled by fear. We're compelled by the love of God that loved us so much that draws near to us. Because when Jesus said, look, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent. It wasn't a doom and gloom message. It was, I don't want you to miss out on the fullness of what I have for you. And I think about Luke chapter 19. There's a story of a man named Zacchaeus that climbed up into a little sycamore fig tree. And he needed to see Jesus. He just wanted to see him as everyone was gathering around. And when Jesus passed by in Luke 19, it said that Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus was a sinner, a tax collector, a despised person, so much that the crowd around Jesus gasped when they heard Jesus invite himself to Zacchaeus' house. They literally said, how could this man eat when sit down with sinners? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner, in verse 7 they said. But then Zacchaeus, when he encountered Jesus drawing near to him, he accepted that invitation. And then he went on to say, listen, Lord, my Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I repay them back four times. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house because this man is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Repentance is this incredible act that, I, Lord, I'm still lost. I'm still working through this. I'm found in you, but Lord, there's still things in me that need to turn. And his love has ultimately found us, saved us, redeemed us. This is a beautiful picture of it. It wasn't because they were being hit over the head. It wasn't Jesus didn't come just to scare them and say, listen, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. It was Jesus' love. It was his, the power of his redemption, the power of his forgiveness that met him in that moment and caused him to turn and live a different way, a repentant life. Some of us are waiting for the Lord to return. One day he's coming. The Bible says it so clearly. Are we ready for that day? I say, Lord, I want to be that shining bride that, that you purchased with your blood. I don't want to be carrying junk through this world. I don't want to be still working through things, Lord, that, that you have set me free from and desire to set me free from. But, Lord, I want to be ready. Look what it says in, in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, the Lord isn't slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the Lord's heart towards us, that we would be a repentant people, that the world would see that, but may they first see that in the hearts and lives of God's people. Amen? So come on, right where you're at, would you stand to your feet with me today, and would you just prepare your heart before the Lord? We're going to go into a song right now. It's called Refiner's Fire, and this is a prayer 
of repentance. It's a prayer and a song that just says, Lord, I want to be made holy. I want you to refine and shape and transform my life. Before we go into that song, I just believe that there's someone here within the sound of my voice that today's the day for you to truly, for the first time, turn your heart towards the Lord. That's what it's all about. If you want to have a real relationship with Jesus, it must be through this act of turning acknowledging your sin, acknowledging that you can't do it on your own and giving yourself completely to him. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, watching online, wherever you find yourself, if today you're ready to take that step, make the greatest decision you've ever made in your life, to turn from your sin and turn towards Jesus, I'm gonna say a prayer, but I'd love to know that you're here today. So if that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now, right where you're at? And I wanna pray with you. If you're, if you're here in person, praise God, I see your hand. I see hands up. Is there anyone online that's watching? If that's you, lift your hand before the Lord, he sees you. We're gonna pray right now. I want you to say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Anyone that wants to say it as an act of recommitment, you can do that. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. Today I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I will follow you all the days of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me a new life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we celebrate with those who have made this decision. They've come from death to life, Lord God. There is joy in celebrating in heaven and we join in that celebration. We pray you bless them and pour your presence out. But now, Lord, as we are here in, in your presence, Lord, as we spend these few moments worshiping you, we, we renew that prayer we just prayed. Lord, search me and know me. Know my heart, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Come on, let's take this song before we close out our service, to just pray and ask the Lord to do just that work. Make this song your prayer today. Spend a few moments with the Lord before we close out this service in prayer.
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we set ourselves apart. And Lord, we draw near. You know, that process that a refiner will go through, Mandy reminded me as we were just spending a few minutes worshiping, is he's, he's going to continue to pull away those impurities, but the goal is by the end that he could see his own reflection. That's how we know the purity has come to the right place. Come on, would you make it your prayer? Lord, take me on a journey that a month from now, Lord, I look so much more like you. Lord, I'm so, you're so seen. Your reflection is seen in my life. In the way I live, in the way I walk, in the way I speak, Lord, may the image of Jesus be seen, felt, understood as, as people see my life. Come on, if that's your prayer, let's just pray that together. Lord, we draw near to you, Lord God. We seek you to find you, Lord God, and we ask you to stretch us, to grow us, Lord God, to meet us as we go through a season of denying ourselves, a season of fasting and drawing near, Lord God. Some will be uh, taking part in maybe complete fast, some in Daniel fast or partial fast, whatever way, Lord, people are engaging with you in this season. I pray that, Lord, you'll use that time to reveal more and more. You'll stir up those things, Lord God, that you want to remove, and Lord God, you will strengthen us in our core, in our being, Lord God, that we could serve you and experience you and experience personal revival in your presence. We ask for it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you today.